I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Hello, and welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. Join us as we discuss some of the most compelling issues facing boys today. Our goal is to equip you with the information and support you need to help today's boys grow into healthy, happy men. This episode is brought to you by Audible. We know that you don't have a lot of time to sit down and read. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Go deeper with audio content from Audible. You can download a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash onboys to download your free book and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash onboys. Our guest today is an author, a child psychologist, parenting expert, and above all, a mom of two boys. She has just released her next book called Parenting Right from the Start, and I believe this book is changing the conversation about parenting. She has turned around the usual question new parents ask, what do I do when X happens, into how do I need to be when X happens? She encourages us to look beyond the practical strategies of parenting and into the deeper, maybe a bit more uncomfortable place of recognizing our own ungrown up parts. Only then can we make the true transformation into parents who are able to deeply understand our children, make changes in how we parent, and simply accept and be with what is. Dr. Vanessa LaPointe is a beacon for parents who are striving to parent from a place of empathy and connection. She is a guide for parents who are ready to own their own triggers and begin parenting themselves too. Welcome, Dr. Vanessa. 
Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. Congratulations on your new book. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting times. What I find is happening in your book and and you're creating these conversations all over the world is talking about how important it is to look at how we were parented. Mm, yeah. And our family our family legacy is so important. So I'm so excited to dive into all of this today. Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. So tell us about these two most powerful influences in parenting that we may not have even considered when we were becoming parents. Yeah. And so I think all of us do our very best parenting before we even become parents. And we have these sort of ideas like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to do it better than my mom and dad did, or I'm going to improve upon that, or I'm not, I'm not going to become them. And then our babies arrive and we have no idea what's just happened. And all of a sudden we hear our mother or our father coming out our mouth and we think, why are we doing this when we swore up and down that we were not going to allow this to repeat or that we were going to do it better? And so the first sort of major influence is that we will parent as we were parented. Full stop. And the only way, if you feel like you want to evolve past that or evolve through that or, or do it in a different way, the only way that you are going to be able to deliver on that is if you do some deep excavating and really understand where it is that you have come from and really make sense of how that history is playing out in your present day life with now your child. This is the kind of thing that even now, 20 years into parenting, I have been forced to look at and deal with a lot of my stuff. Because when your kid starts, you know, saying things to you and you're like, oh, I should, uh -hmm," I've been forced to deal with things. But even so, hearing you say that, it's intimidating. It's scary. Frankly, it would really be a whole lot easier if you would just come on here and tell me, these are the three steps and this is how I handle the situation. This excavating down into stuff that frankly, a lot of us don't want to think about is hard work. Yeah. And everybody wants the magic steps, right? We all want tricks and strategies and techniques for figuring this stuff out. And shortcuts. Oh yeah. And I'm with you, sister friend. I want that too. And it just isn't the way humans go. And the truth is you will be brought to your knees in the act of parenting. There is no way around it. And as you tumble to your knees and realize that there's this massive shift occurring inside of you, you have a choice. You can choose to stay in the status quo and carry on as is and come what may. And that may seem like the easier route, But I promise you, down the road, that's not going to have been the easier route. Or you can choose to accept this for what what it actually is. And what it is, is an invitation for you to step into your own growth. And that, I will promise you down the road, will um, pay dividends. However, in the shorter term, it is not for the faint of heart. I love that you admitted that straight up parenting will bring you to your knees. Yeah. If you really care about what you're doing, and I know all of our listeners do, 
parenting can just lay you bare like nothing else I have ever experienced because you care so much about these human beings that you're responsible for and you so want to do the right thing and you don't know what it is and you've got this jumble inside of you and Lord knows I have been, you know, on my knees, laid out on my bed, crying, all of those things at many points over the years. And Janet, I'm sure you did as well. Vanessa, I'm sure you still do. You know, and that's the thing a lot of people forget. You're a parenting expert, but this still isn't easy for you. Oh no. And if anything, that's like a major occupational hazard. (laughs) Right. You're supposed to get it right, Vanessa. (laughs) Right. And I think really, uh, I would be frightened of accepting advice from a so-called expert who hadn't been in the trenches, who hadn't been laid flat by this, who hadn't, you know, had to lay on their bed, sobbing their guts out, not knowing exactly what the direction is. And yet I have, you know, like 13 years of post-secondary education (laughs) and still I have had to struggle just like every other parent. There's 13 years of post-secondary education And then there's dealing with an actual 13-year-old, which is... Word to your mother. That's exactly right there. So now that we're all scared, uh, it's, you know, as you're saying this, I, I think there are a lot of people out there who do want to do that inner work, who do recognize that, yeah, oh, that's my mom's voice or my dad's finger. I don't like that. And... And they're willing to move towards doing that work. But what about when you are parenting with a partner who is maybe not so interested in going there? That's a great question. That is a great question. And the truth is that that's going to be the reality for the majority of parenting couples, uh, whether you are parenting under the same roof or under uh, different roofs in different homes. uh, It's challenging to find yourselves on the same page and really seeing eye to eye. And I think very much the same as our children come into our lives in order to invite forward this opportunity for growth and development within ourselves, we actually attract partners and co-parents into our lives for the very same purpose. They're not here to make you happy. They're here to help you grow yourself up, which means their job is to trigger the bejeebies out of you so (laughs) that you can accept the opportunity. Also, it might be helpful for your listeners at this point to know that I am divorced. (laughs) So that went really well. And I'm still learning those lessons and figuring out how do we weave it all together. I so appreciate you sharing that because I am divorced as well and co-parenting in different households. And um, you know what? Apparently, my boy's dad does a really good job of triggering me sometimes. It is hard. I have to interject here. I am also divorced. So we have a trifecta of divorcees here, but I've been divorced for 15 years. My girls are 34 and 31. And I will tell you, not that we have a lot of contact, he and I, but we're entering a year where there's going to be a wedding. And it's like, oh, all this stuff comes up again. So not to, you know, totally depress the audience, but it never ends. You are parenting <laughs> forever. Yes. So the quicker or the sooner you can do this inner work that we're going to be diving more deeply into, because I know 
I want to hear, so what's step one? Where do we start to do that work? And so just just for our listeners to know that this doesn't go away. (laughs) So growth is an ongoing process. As much as we all want to get to the point where, I'm good, I got this now. Life always has another challenge around the corner. And Mm -hmm. Vanessa, what I hear you saying is when we can embrace that and recognize that as opportunity Mm -hmm. instead of an obstacle, we're going to be better off. The idea is that all of life, especially when the going gets tough, is happening for you, not to you. And so when you can embrace that as your lens through which you travel through life, then you can know you'll have your big tears and you'll have your big mad and you'll have all of your big feelings about it. And if you can really just, I'm always like pumping my fist in the air saying, you got to keep the faith. (laughs) If you can really just trust that it is for you, you may not be able to make sense of it right now and in the moment but it is for you. And soon enough, the lesson, the gold to be mined from this particular challenge will make itself known. So let's get really concrete here. Mm -hmm. My toddler son is biting other kids at daycare. I'm constantly getting, you know, messages home that he's grabbing things from other kids. He's biting. They're talking about potentially having to throw him out of that daycare, but this is happening for me, not to me. How do we start doing this in real time? I love it. And so the first thing to know, and it's going to sound crackers, but I'll say it and then we'll make sense of it. The first thing to know is none of it is real. Yeah, that sounds crackers. Right. And so what's happening is you're getting the phone call or you go to pick your child up from daycare and you get the talk and, uh, and you're starting to have feelings kind of swelling up on the inside of you that aren't comfortable. You might be feeling judged. You might be feeling like a not very good parent. You might be feeling um, ostracized. You, you might be feeling on the outside because now all the other parents hate you and hate your kid because your kid's the one that's sending their kid home with teeth marks in their face every day. Um, and so you can have all of these emotions coming up in you and then you will begin making decisions and reacting from that place. And here's what, why it's not real. It's not real because those experiences, those emotions that are coming up in you are subjective. They have been created from your inner world. They are not actually a concrete product of the external world. And you have landed on those particular um, reactions, feelings, emotions in the face of this this challenge with your child at daycare because of something in your own past. And so when we have children, we re-enter the intimate space of the parent-child relationship for the second time in our lives. We've been there once before. We were there when we were a child. And so when we re-enter that intimate space of parent-child relationship, this time as the parent, and things begin to happen for the child that we gave life to, we actually are catapulted back in time in an emotional space to the events of our own childhood. So when your child is acting out and you're getting in trouble from the daycare provider, you are actually re-experiencing your freaked out two or three-year-old self who got in trouble for whatever it was. 
who wasn't good enough, who didn't perform, who didn't belong. See, it just awakens in you all of these programs. And it's those programs that create your worldview or your lens through which you are now viewing the circumstance with your, with your son. I listened to um, Eckhart Tolle speak a couple of years ago uh, here in Vancouver, Canada, where it rains nine months of the year. And he was on stage and he said, listen, you live in Vancouver. It rains here nine months of the year. So you can wake up every morning and look out the window and be like, it's raining again. It's so awful. Or you can wake up every morning and you can look out the window and say to yourself, oh, look, water is falling from the sky. Oh, look, my son bit another child at daycare today. Oh, look, my son is the hitter. My son's the runner. My son's the whatever. Right? My son's all of the above. Right? <laughs> and so all of it's neutral. None of it has meaning until we give it meaning. Mm-hmm. And the trick is we give it meaning from our own programming. And it's instantaneous. It's, it's not like we have to know. think about it. It just happens. It just happens. You, can, you aren't even aware that you are deep down the rabbit hole of your own programming as you know, you react to the daycare provider and you tell them that they can't tell you how to parent or you kowtow, I'm so, so sorry. I'll make sure it never, you know, whatever it is, you're reacting from these deeply embedded um, places and spaces within your soul. So how do we do it differently? Step one is to know that it's not real. And then step two is to start to make sense of the idea that it can be something different. And so uh, I often use a tool called The Work, which is um, offered forward by a woman named Byron Katie, and you can access all of it free online on her uh, website. Uh, By the way, I get no downstream profits from any of this. (laughs) Um, And she has you sort of offer forward a statement, and then you question the statement. And so my son should not bite. And then she would say for you to ask yourself, is that true? Is, can you know absolutely 100% for sure that my two-year-old son should not be biting? And when you really think that through, you can't know for sure that your two-year-old son should not be biting. First of all, I'm going to tell you as somebody who specializes in the field of child development, that two-year-olds bite because it's their way of making sense of the world and they have as yet to grow brains that allow them to regulate from the inside. And so some children will regulate through biting and explore their environment through biting. And aren't they perfectly brilliantly normal? Mm-hmm. And so your two-year-old son or even three-year-old son should bite. And so you cannot know for sure that it shouldn't be happening. And yet when you believe the thought, my son should not bite, does it bring you peace or does it bring you crazy when he is biting? Crazy. It brings you crazy. So what if you made your peace with, oh, check it. He really should be biting. Partly because he's normal and this is what kids at that age and stage do. And second, and here's the gift in it because it's tripped you out. He should be doing that because now you get another opportunity. He should be biting, hitting, running, jumping, all of the things, because now you get another opportunity 
to figure out, oh, what program do I have running underneath all of this? And then I like to add an additional question into the process. And, uh, and so Byron Katie would say, what kinds of feelings come up for you when you believe the thought that he should not bite and yet he is biting? And so we would list through all the feelings. I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed. I feel not good enough. I feel on the outside. I don't belong, whatever it is. And then my um, question, which was given to be my, me by my own uh, teacher or mentor, is just like when. Mm. So when can you travel back in time to the first six years of life is usually when we want to focus that question. When else have you felt that cocktail of emotions and feelings? And it doesn't even matter what situation you land on. You'll come up with some kind of an event uh, in your first six years. You'll remember a time when you got, you know, in trouble at kindergarten, or you'll remember a time when you uh, did something naughty at home and uh, got put on the timeout stair or whatever it was. You'll remember a time. And so you start to connect the dots. And on the outside, you might think, okay, nothing's changed. Like tomorrow when the daycare teacher calls, I'm still going to be freaked out by this. But as somebody who has traveled to the bottom of the well and find, found her way back up, I will tell you, the more that you flex that muscle of questioning your thoughts all the day long, the easier it becomes and the more you will make sense of that. It's like that five-chapter book, uh, and the chapters are very um, short. Um, I walked down the street, I fell in the hole. I didn't know how to get out. <laughs> I walked down the street, I fell in the hole, but I've been here before. I know that I'll find my way out. I walked down the street, I knew there was a hole, I fell in it anyway. <laughs> That's I, where I'm at with parenting, right so, there. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. I accepted responsibility for it and I found my way out. I walked down the street. I saw the hole. I walked around the hole. And the final chapter in life is I walked down a different street. 
Ooh. Nice. Let's pause there. That's, yeah. That is worth, con- worth uh, taking a moment to digest and process that. We're going to take a little pause for our listeners and we'll tell you how you can access this great new book on Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. You can go to audibletrial.com slash onboys and grab a free copy of Dr. Vanessa's book, Parenting Right from the Start. Just go to audibletrial.com slash onboys to download your free audiobook and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash onboys. Okay, we are back. So, wow, this is powerful stuff. I do actually encourage our listeners to listen again because this is deep work and it can't just go in one ear. It's got to go in both and you've got to sit with it and process these questions and work with them. It doesn't change overnight. No, and really every single one of us will be doing this work every single day of our lives until we don't. <laughs> it's, it's what we're here to do, whether we want to lean into the sharp bits of that or shy away from them. It's what we're here to do. So we can choose to grow or we can choose to sit in the status quo. Yeah. And to recognize that, you know, there's some days that we're more able to lean in And there's some days it's like, no, you know, I just got to take a break today and I'm just going to drink my coffee and let the world go by. And that's that's okay too. Yeah. And also to really be gracious with ourselves in all of that, because we are humans. We are wired to react and emote and experience all of that. And to not make ourselves wrong for having all of those big reactions and emotions. And I've literally, I mean, I've had days where I've worked statements like, you know, my kids should not bite big, big statements, um, 50, 60 times a day because I'm that deep in process and I'm that overwhelmed by what it is that's happening around me. And then I literally have other days where I'm like, I hate you, Byron Katie. I'm not asking any of those questions today. (laughs) I'm just going to be grumpy and yelly shouting mummy and come what may. There you go. And let's, let's talk about that for a moment, because I think one of the risks of having these kinds of conversations and talking about doing this deep work is it does bring up this guilt feeling for a lot of parents that, oh my God, I have ruined my child already. So, you know, let's talk about that. Maybe I, I, you know, you start parenting, you don't know any of this and you react like your parents did and what would you say to parents who are like, I have screwed up already? You know what I would say? Perfect. That is perfectly imperfect because there's an invitation in that thought in and of itself. I have screwed up. Oh my, all of the growth that's buried underneath that thought, like there's gold to be mined and then there are hills, right? (laughs) Um, So I would say perfect. And it really is my belief that nothing happens randomly. Everything has played out exactly the way that was meant to play out in your life and in your child's life. Why? I don't know. That's above my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) And I really hang my hat on the idea that 
everything happens the way that it happens because it's supposed to happen that way. And so maybe you have young adult children now, or maybe you are going into the stage in life of becoming a grandparent and, uh, and you're feeling this sort of swell of emotion about all of this all over again, because you're seeing it play out maybe in another generation, all of it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And so lean into those sharp bits too, because they're there to offer you another path for growth and development. And one of the most gorgeous things that modern day science has offered us in terms of brain imaging, um, how we uh, understand the brain to respond to its external environment is that it is never too late. You can be 97 years old and we can rewire the parts of your brain that would have been most impacted by the way that you were parented. It's never ever too late. And so lean into that too, because there's real hope in that understanding. What I find interesting moving, thinking about our children now is that we have, as humans, come up with all these different ways to kind of put our children in categories in an effort to understand them more deeply. Uh, the temperaments and there's Myers-Briggs, there's like all the things, but but you have described children as dandelions or orchids. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. So this comes out of the work of Tom Boyce and his colleagues. Uh, and I met Tom Boyce when I was a doctoral student and he was uh, a visiting professor at the university that I was attending. And so I first heard about this and, and I wasn't a mother yet, so I hadn't really made sense of it. And then I walked forward in time and I became a mother. And my first son was what we call a dandelion kid, where he just kind of like, everything's kind of fine. Like if you've ever tried to grow a dandelion, you plant them in a crack in the cement in the sidewalk and forget to water them. And not only do they grow, but they thrive. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Nathan was born. He's my boy. Who's now 15 wearing men's size 15 shoes. Uh, He was born and he kind of liked being alive. He liked people. He liked sleeping. He liked eating. He, he liked going to school. He just like, it was just fine. And, and I, you didn't know that you got handed like the perfect first child because you just right. thought you were a great parent. Right. <laughs> Look at me. I'm such a good mom. You know, it's because I'm a child psychologist. Like, of course. I'm like nailing it. Hashtag. Um, and then my second son came along three and a half years later. He's an orchid. And if you've ever tried to grow an orchid, you will know that you need to, they need like just the right amount of water and just the right amount of light and just the right amount of humidity and the right temperature and the right this and the right that, or they die. Like they're not able to survive. And yet, if you can find just that combination, not only will they survive, but they will thrive and they will be spectacular. And so Maxwell is born. He like arrives in the world screaming and does not stop. I do all of the things that you think that you're supposed to do with a baby who cries all the day long and also all the night long. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the things that I'm doing is singing nonstop. And I am, I do not have like the voice of an angel. That is true. But it's not like really horribly offensive. When he was six weeks old, I realized it's the sound of my singing voice that is making my baby cry. Oh. Wow! That's began my journey of figuring this gorgeous orchid boy out, who um, you know 
sometimes we talk about boys um, being born more vulnerable than girls. And, uh, and other times we really land on that we socialize our boys thinking that they're less vulnerable when they have big, squishy, um, open hearts and they're, they really can be very sensitive to their world physically, but also emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so that's my orchid boy. And, uh, and I'm a child psychologist. I had the kid who growled at other adults that tried to say hello to him. I'm sorry. I'm laughing at you. Isn't that it makes epic? me feel so much better. Oh, so good. I had the kid who could not, would not separate from me to go to preschool. It took like two and a half months to get him gradually transitioned into that classroom. I had the kid, my boy was the first kid in kindergarten to barf all over the classroom, second day of school, because he was so freaked out about being there. It became a biohazard zone. He literally, he started throwing up in one corner of the classroom, saw the garbage can in the other corner and tried to make it there. Well, he spewed vomit all over everything (laughs) on his way over. Um, and, and as time has gone on, it has been sort of, um, a series of bumps on the road, some of them quite significant in terms of diagnoses and other things for, uh, my second born boy. Uh, and I've had to figure it out. And I often say like, it's a good thing he came second. Cause I don't know that I ought to signed up for that again. <laughs> and boy, did I have to grow myself up. Exactly. And I'm sure you still are because you just said that um, your oldest son is 15. If I'm doing my math right, the younger one's probably about 12 now. Yes, that's right. So everything that you figured out for how to parent uh, elementary school aged kids, I mean, it's sort of helpful, but now you're dealing with tweens and teens and that's a whole nother challenge. It's a whole nother challenge. And of course, his, his dandelion brother you know, straight A's at school, makes friends really easily, excels as, at athletics, all those kinds of things. And his brother has had to kind of struggle along and find his way. And as I observe all of that and come alongside uh, my younger son and all of those things, I'm aware at how very unique this path is and how very different I must be as a mother to that second born boy compared to his older brother. There is no one size fits all. And alongside championing his growth, I also have to do a lot of self-reflection. Am I approaching this from a space of fear? And do I need to toggle my fear love continuum right now? Am I, you know, reacting to something that happened with a friend at school uh, too intensely uh, for him? Like, you know, every cell in my body wants to call up the principal and tell so-and-so how it's going to go. And, just, and then I have to stop and think, okay, what's real? And what is this called up for me? And what really is my role in terms of either stepping in for my boy or stepping back mm-hmm. and allowing him to get a, a scuff on the soul that he's developing and make sense of his life and find his way. That's such a great reminder. And I love your term, scuff on the soul. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because we do resist that. We don't want our children to suffer because Again, exactly what you're saying. It calls that up in us and it is wicked uncomfortable. We don't want to go there. Having our kids see us do this kind of work, this deeper level of parenting, whether they 
are conscious of it or not, is so important to change these family patterns, to change the generations that they're getting it by osmosis right now. And sometimes they're getting it by, hey, we're having these real conversations. And, you know, my girls know that I went to therapy when they were kids and and now they go to therapy as young 30-year-olds. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. They also want to do that personal growth and that inner work. And they know that that's a, an essential part of being human. And I think our children grow in the field that we create around us. And so, you, you know, when you communicate, you can communicate very openly. My boys also know that I've sought out my own support um, to find my way through the hiccups of life. And in addition to that, without me saying or speaking anything, they are breathing it in the air that they live in. They grow in the field that I'm creating around me, the environment that I'm creating around me. And so they'll know it, even if they don't know it. It's a really helpful analogy, because if you have a dandelion, if you have an orchid, you're not going to change that plant. You tend the environment, you create the field, you fertilize. That's what farmers do to help raise their crops and to nourish their crops. And then really that is our role as parents, teachers, adults, right. helping children grow. Absolutely. And my, my now partner in life, um, he's a, a child development specialist as well. He works with children with autism. And the one thing that he says, and I love it so much, is that he never saw a plant grow better or faster by having somebody pull on the top of it. Oh, that's so, powerful. You say it say it one more time because I really want people to get this into your head. This is an image that you can think about as you continue on your mm-hmm. drive or as you're putting your kids to bed tonight. He's never seen a plant grow better or faster by having somebody pull on the top of it. Rather, our job as parents or other big people, whether you be a teacher, whether you be an auntie, an uncle, a grandma, a grandpa, a caregiver, our job as big people is to create the conditions around the plants that are conducive to growth. I feel like we could keep talking to you all day and absorbing all of this knowledge. There's part of me that just wants to sit down and have coffee with you and say, okay, Vanessa, so here's what's really going on. (laughs) But you don't have all day and we don't have all day. I am definitely going to encourage people to pick up a copy of your book because this wisdom is in there. And tell our listeners where they can find you online. And I do believe you're going on book tour as well and doing some talks. Yeah. And so Dr. Vanessa Lapointe with an E on the end, dot com, uh, drvanessalapointe.com is where you can find me. And, and through my website, you can access all my social media channels and everything else where I do talk um, often about these kinds of things. And uh, I have an, a list of events uh, that will be up on the website. Um, and then as for the book, it's available everywhere that books are sold. It's on Audible. It's on Amazon, um, wherever you usually go to source your books. And you are right in the middle of all your media. So our listeners, I encourage you to stay tuned what's happening in your city. And if you're doing a book signing, book reading, come on out and support Dr. Vanessa in this amazing work. I really feel like you've expanded the sphere of out of just the practical strategies, which are important, but we 
have to grow ourselves. And as we grow ourselves, we are growing humanity and we are growing this planet in the forward direction, the direction towards love and connection Mm -hmm. that we need to be in. It is my uh, heartfelt belief that if even just one generation of parents accepted the invitation, the journey that is parenthood in the manner that we've spoken about it today, that we actually would change the world. I think we are changing the world. You bet. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.